Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so very much for being here. This is episode 73 of this show featuring Australian artist, world-renowned artist, Jasper Knight. Follow him on Instagram. He's an artist. He's on Instagram. J-A-S-P-E-R underscore K-N-I-G-H-T. Um Hi, welcome. If you're uh, new, thank you so much for being here. Check out some old episodes. There's 72 other ones. Uh, if you are new, I would also ask very kindly that you subscribe. If you subscribe to the show, either in your iPhone on the podcast app, or if you're on Android using Pocket Cast, which I particularly love, uh, a new episode will appear in your phone each and every week, and you won't even have to do anything about it. You can always also hit the mailing list, which is at osherginsberg.com. That's where also all of the episodes are. Only the last 50 are on iTunes, um, but all the episodes are on osherginsberg.com. I certainly hope you're well. I hope whatever it is you're doing this week is good. I hope whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to the show is excellent. If you're doing the dishes, if you're driving, if you're jogging, if you're having an afternoon coffee, sitting on the couch while your kids nap, if you're working out, if you're on the wind trainer, uh, these are all the places that people emailed me through the week and told me where they are listening to the show. Wherever you're enjoying this show, I really hope you're well. And I hope you're okay. And I hope today's going all right. And if it's not, don't worry. You only have to get till 10 p.m. or so. Get that head on that pillow and get another shot at it tomorrow. And that's it. We only do it a day at a time. It's awesome. To check in with you, I haven't spoken to you since I was in Utah. Utah was amazing. I met some really great people up there. Uh, met some fantastically smart people. Uh, People, a, a nuclear physicist who's working on a next generation nuclear reactor, some fantastic environmentalists. It was a really, really excellent weekend. Uh, and I got some great skiing in, which was really nice. But 
I was really inspired most of all by, by everybody. If you ever come to America, or I can't recommend going to Utah enough. It is the great outdoors. There's so much of it and it's amazing. Um, LA is LA. It's an industry town, but if you want real amazing 10,000 foot mountains, Utah. I leave for Australia on Tuesday. Go and do season three of The Bachelor, which I'm very excited about. But I've kind of, I'm kind of got itchy feet. I'm like, okay, I'm done. All right, I'm, I want to go. I want to go now, but I can't uh, because you know can't leave till Tuesday. But um, something real awesome happening in Venice tomorrow. TEDx is happening, so I'll be going to that tomorrow. I've never been to a TEDx. That's gonna be, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be fun. Uh, to check in with you, I'm getting someone into to sublease my house, so I've got to you know, pack all my stuff away and I'm kind of preparing to find all the things that you find when you pack things up, you know, when you, when, when you do that, it's almost, almost moving. I'm just shoving everything into cupboards, but, uh, you know, you, you, you find things that you bought replacements for and now, oh, now I've got two of them. Unreal. Uh, you also find photos of exes and clothes of exes and all, all kinds of things pop up. So, That'll be interesting. I'll steal myself for that. Uh, let me tell you about my guest today. I am really excited to uh, get this person on the show because it's a side of a business and an industry, an enormously financially lucrative industry that rarely gets explored, I guess, certainly in Australia. Jasper Knight is one of Australia's highest profile artists. He came to my house here in Venice in December. It's a bit dated, this show, but I left something interesting in there. So you'll hear me talk about something that happens in a week, but it was actually two months ago. Uh, he was on his way back from Art Basel, which is essentially, I guess you'd call it like, oh, let me adjust this microphone stand. I guess it's like the South by Southwest of art. It's like the, I don't know, the Royal Easter show of art that happens each year in Miami. It's just humongous. But I wanted to talk about, particularly with him, I wanted to talk about not only art and creativity, but when you become a professional, you're monetizing your creativity. And that's a, that's a fact of what you're doing. And I wanted to talk about how he balances the two. And it's a really interesting conversation. We also talk about him almost dying. We'll get into his story, but uh, Jasper lives, and essentially he, he told me here in this conversation, he lives with something that could kill him every day. And that's how he lives. He's an amazing guy. He's super inspiring. You can hear in his voice, he's so honest. He's so kind. He's so generous with his time. And what's amazing about this conversation is that we hooked it up over direct messages on Instagram. The modern world. Love it. So yeah, if you've ever wondered what it takes to be a professional artist, what the business side of a creative life is like, then this show's for you. And if art completely confounds you, this is also for you because we get right into the nuts of what of what <laughs> we get right into the nuts of why art is there and what role it plays in our lives. So enjoy this. This is Jasper Knight. Okay, so now I'm rolling. Rolling. I'm now recording. I got it. <laughs> Best behaviour. Uh, Jasper Knight. Hello. Hello. Welcome to my house. Thank you. Beautiful. And we ha we have been talking for a probably a good half hour. Yeah. But I thought we'd better record eventually. Yep. I'm I'm really grateful you are here. Ah, just glad to be here. Um, I've done 
brothers on this show before, yeah. but I've never done. But they were both at the same time. Ah, I haven't done uh, one than the other. Yeah, there you go. You are the uh, brother of Dominic Knight. I am indeed the younger brother. The younger brother of yeah. Dominic Knight, who's been on the show, or Dom Knight, as he's liked to be known. And um, it's I stage, am it's his stage name. Like ja- like Jack Burton, I am in his debt. All oh, right. Um, he organized. He made the phone call to the content director at the ABC and said, you know, these Osher's shows are pretty good and they're putting me on on starting on the 8th of December. So this will have gone to air by the time this happens for, for two weeks. They're doing cut-down versions of this show. Boom. Episodes that I've already done. So, there you go. Dumb night. Yeah. Um, so that's how, you know, but you are a full-time artist. You are a gallery owner. Yep. Uh, you are a husband. I'm a father. And you're a father. Yep. And you're in Los Angeles. We're here in Venice Beach. You're in Los Angeles. You're on the way back from Miami. Yes. From a massive festival called Art Basel. That's right. It is 22 art fairs across a week of Miami, uh, 1,500 galleries, and God knows how many artists. Um, and I'm really glad you're here because I, I wanted to talk about, you know, how you got to where you are, how you are here. Yeah. I'm playing footsies with you just a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I also want to talk about, you know, art. Yeah. And Australia and art. Yeah. Because I think it's kind of interesting. Not talked about enough, quite frankly. Well, growing up in Brisbane where I, I grew up, yeah. if I look at here, it's just it's where my notes are. Um, growing up in Brisbane, um, my folks, my, my parents are European. Uh, dad was quite was quite an artistic guy. He became a doctor, but he shouldn't have been a doctor. It should have been something else. Very smart man. Same as my dad. Right. Yeah. Um Every night we'd see him with mechanical rotary pencils just doodling and making incredible pictures. And um, he would always take us to galleries. And so we as kids were kind of educated into what art is and what art can be. But I think we were quite alone in our neighbourhood with going to galleries and, oh, that I could believe. and checking it out. Because I think for many people art is, and particularly art that people pay a lot of money for, is something that people from overseas do. Oh, yeah. Got it. <laughs> yep. Why the hell would you buy expensive stuff that your kids could do? That's the, that's the mentality, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I just kind of wanted to know, like, at what point in your life did you, I'm assuming you grew up in Sydney. Yeah. 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 I've got half the origin story because I talked to your brother. Oh, sure. <laughs> I assumed you all lived under the same roof. Oh, yeah. At what point did someone go, hey, this Jasper kid, He's, he's been handy with his hands there. At what point did it become evident that this was a thing? Uh, well, I always did it. I always drew and loved doing that. Um, uh, we, we lived in England for several years, so um, which was kind of horrible, especially for Dom, um, because we were at a pretty gnarly school. Um, and Why? What's gnarly? Oh, gnarly. I don't know. I just started to pick that up in America. And never well, we're in Venice, it. so like, yeah. what made it gnarly? Oh, well, by gnarly, I just mean like it was it was a little rough, like mm-hmm. to come from quite a nice school in the lower North Shore of Sydney to a school, um, uh, you know, near King's Cross in London. Um, it was just, just, you know, it was a bit of a shock. And, uh, yeah, we just, you know, um, I guess had a little bit of trouble fitting in there, but there's n- n- nothing, nothing really that shapes the story. The only bit of the story that it kind of shapes was that I did a lot of art mm-hmm. and there were art prizes and stuff like that. And that kind of stuff really wasn't around um, in Sydney. Like, you know, if, if, if kids were doing art, there certainly wasn't like enter an art prize. And there was something um, called the Amnesty Art Prize. 
and I did a picture of a, a, um, uh, a bird coming out of a cage, which I think is their logo. And I don't, I haven't checked to see if it was before 1986, but I won a prize um, for that. And uh, Richard Branson, who I had no idea who it was, um, gave me the prize. We're talking uh, Amnesty International. Yeah, we're talking Richard Branson of Virgin Records, um, not of Virgin Airlines at that time. Um, but yet to be Virgin Galactic. Oh, no, that's right. And, well, maybe not even ever given mm. what's happened. But um, it's terrible. Anyway, I had no idea who he was. Just looked like this cool dude with ginger hair. And uh, it was a big paint set, like one of those ones that's not really very good, like with the giant plastic surrounds and all those little circular paints that are like you get a bit of water on once. You're like, this is amazing. I've got more paint than I'm... It didn't exist on earth. And then you like get a brush, a watercolour brush and water and like touch all the paints together and it all becomes like brown purple and then you throw it away. But it looks amazing. That was the prize? At that stage, at that at that age, size is what matters with... with, um, with you Were know, you eight? Mm, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good guess. I was born 78, but they're in 86. It wasn't a guess. I, I've done my research. Oh, you've done your research. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's kind of eight to ten when I was there. Um and I, you know, he gave me a piggyback on his shoulders. I got a photo of it. He signed a thing saying, uh, good, best of luck with your, uh, your art career, Richard Branson. And I was like, he has blessed me. If that dude has blessed me at eight, I'm going to be an artist. And that was it. Yeah, that was it. That, that's it. Isn't it interesting how once we're given permission when, because someone yeah. told me around that age, um, not only, yeah, you're a really good musician, but someone also told me you're very good on stage. You're very good at speaking in front of people. And once you're given permission, oh, I am? Oh, I guess I'll do this then. Yeah. I guess this, I shouldn't be ashamed or feel weird about being good that at this. That is a very big part of this stuff because there's no real system for this stuff. It's not like law where you go to a university and you do law and you do an arts degree, you do a law degree, you fit in, you become a, a paralegal and then you become a junior and then you work right up to partner and then it's there's a process. Yeah. And the process has been around for hundreds of years. And it's there's it's very it's even tiered with the way the salaries work. How did your how did did it just like be one? Yeah. Well, how do you do that? Where's the degree? Mm, there's a degree, but it's kind of shit, and it doesn't teach you anything about professional practice. <laughs> Basically, you just take drugs and do bad paintings, and then you leave. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're there's, there's, that's that's the university teacher right there. <laughs> and your parents think my son is a university graduate. <laughs> And you're like, you know, it's that whole thing. Like you go to, you go to, you go to a union and in the in the toilet. It's always, a, the it same always joke. Arts degree, please take one. <laughs> Buy the toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I think there was. An, I saw another one recently. Um, it was a, it was a two dispenser, and one was arts degrees, and the other one was something along the lines of. Um, uh, it was something about a law degree. Yeah, it was right, something that right. was, yeah, this was probably a double dispenser. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't get too cocky. Yeah, law yeah. degrees are right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, no, but but, but seriously, um, art school actually is kind of important, like fast-tracking yeah. from the age of 10 to like 20 here. But hang on a sec. So I'll bring it back a bit. Like from after that, that, that really really didn't have any effect. Were, were you the weird kid in the corner or were you generally sociable? Not at all. I'm pretty social. Yeah. and um, uh, You're not really fitting the artistic stereotype very much. No, not right? really. But no like, berets? When the, no berets came into it? No berets. My father-in-law wears one. Okay. Yeah, oh, that's but, all right. But like, he's an architect, so uh, that's kind of strange. You'd OG think I, though, but he's got the mechanical pencils. Yeah, and the big set squares. Tell me about my wife's an architect, and that's a whole weird thing where like, and the brother. So like, it's one of those things where you know how architects follow the yep. the son and the the yeah. lineage. It just seems to just flow on there. But yeah. but having said that, it, 
it, it is kind of important that your parents like art and it probably was that your dad liked art because mm. he's like would be very encouraging of what you went and did with with your with your career and what you're doing now and the mm. success you're having like it wasn't like with my life people said well give an art a go give art a go and if it if it if it fails then go get a real job because i know lots of people like say dean even still gets still gets to this day if it doesn't work out you can get a you can go to tape and 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 get a trade you know what i mean it's a huge um it's a huge thing to have the support of your family even if you don't get it on a daily basis just to know that it's all right to even try to do that and i i remember saying to my family even my extended family oh, i'm gonna i think i'm gonna be an artist which i might add is an incredibly weird thing to say you feel like a fraud for the, a very long time saying i am an artist I can say it now, but imagine saying it when you're 18. I'm an artist and it holds a gravity of all the artists before you and everyone that's trying to do it. And people just say, yeah, yeah, good on you. So you're unemployed basically. Right. That's what you feel. And then because you feel like you've done nothing. So how could you be one? Even though you kind of feel like you are. So I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing. It's the same thing with being like growing before I started in radio, working, playing in bands. Yeah, right. You know, that was the same thing. I was, I'm a, I'm a musician. Yeah, I'm I know. What's, just... the, what's the difference between a musician and a pizza? What? A pizza can feed a family of four. <laughs> yep. So yep. I can imagine the same drug. What do you call a drummer without a girlfriend? What? Homeless. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I think it's a similar yeah. joke. The jokes yeah, could yeah. transfer quite yeah, easily. I know. No, we're on the same page there. And like... But isn't it interesting how the people? I mean, I I pulled the ripcord, man. I got out and I I inserted myself into the the structure of broadcasting, yeah. and so where my creativity wasn't the absolute be all and end all of where the money came in, yeah, right. because I wasn't a very good, I wasn't a good enough songwriter at the time that I needed to make the move. Um, but how did you know that? I just I just knew. But how? Like this, I just so, knew, some dude. of these these some of these songs that who knows? I just knew. You knew. And it was years later, and I've talked about this on the show before. It was years later when we did Idol, yeah. Um, that I saw we would audition ten thousand people to get ten that ended up on TV. Yeah. All right. So I just saw just rivers of I could imagine people come oh, through. I don't. All right. How do you even tell what was good in the end? But the yeah, the difference between good and great or great and excellent good and great was huge yeah between great and excellent was three percent two percent like there was that's, you, and, that's and that was the thing is. and i was i was great but i wasn't excellent and yeah. that was the thing and i realized i'm not i'm not actually that yeah but i'm happy to say i'm not excellent but this is the and this brings me to the, the thing about and my brother put on a t-shirt striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence <laughs> as literally a chaser t-shirt i thought don't encourage me here. I had to wear that fucking T-shirt when I worked. When I worked for you can um, swear all you like. Yeah, when I worked, I briefly worked for the Chaser. Um, which, you know, never work with your siblings. No, I just kind of was like um, helped out. Just really when they did a paper and stuff like that. It was fun. We did some Melbourne um, comedy festivals together, reviewing stuff, and uh -huh. met all the comics. And like it was, it was definitely a world that, that it wasn't my world. It was basically when I was at art school. Right. And they were being nice to me. So in high school was art school. I'm yeah, guessing you it, took art high, at school? At, yeah, at high, at high, I did three units, three, which means the most you can do in New uh -huh. South Wales. The fancy, the the, the kids and like, the, like, like five people left by like, that point. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And, you know, it, it, it was um, something I was very passionate about. I never did well, according to my school, in the written side of things. 
Um, I never understood that. And how they marked it at school, I never understood that either. So my marks weren't great in art. But then I got 50 out of 50 in HSC and Bob Carr bought my painting. I got into Art Express. <laughs> so screw the school. You know Bob, what I mean? Bob Carr's the think, premier of New South yeah, Wales the at the premier time. of New South Wales bought it. John Aquilina, the, 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 um, the, the minister for education who takes care of every, every kid in the state and um, used it on his Christmas card. And, uh, yeah, obviously um, it, it ended up in the Arcade in South Wales, which is thrilling when you are 17. I don't care about the marks. I don't care about who bought it. When you walk into a place, you've been going every, every kind of three or four months since you can remember, and you see one of your works there, it, you just think, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. You know, you feel like you've hit the big time. You know, but um, did that help when it came to getting into the university part of it? No, I don't think so. Um, they're pretty relaxed at that stage. It's not nearly as kind of full on as it is now. It was kind of like, even if you kind of got an asterisk in, in the HSC, which kind of means you flunked, um, and by no means means you're not in any way good. It just means like within that system of judging um, people who go through the school system, it didn't work for you. Um, they'll still take you on talent alone. All right. Uh, you know, on based on on actual kind of drawing talent on on a on a process diary and on um, works that they see at art school, which is kind of cool. Now it's changed, and they really high marks to get into art school. It's crazy. So, what is it that? I mean, what is it that you learn at art school? You don't learn if it's like school. It's exactly like school. You have to luck out and get a good teacher. It's the same thing. If you get a good couple of friends that are friends for life, you got any from school? Yeah. You're like, and maybe two or three, not very many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But most. they're like, it's like two, isn't it? Maybe three, and they're they're it. And you got you really got to work for those because you have terrible times where you, there was a clear part where it could have fallen off. And but it, it's it's the same in art school. You need a good teacher, and a couple of a couple of people that understand. Uh, just when you think your work is shit and they're like, no, it, this work is good. Don't stress about it. It's really good. Yeah. Don't worry about the marks. Don't worry about what that guy said. And, like, it's it can be very tough, you know. Like art schools, um, you know, famous artists are around there, famous critics. John McDonald came in and, and who's a big, probably Australia's biggest art critic, came in and reviewed my work at art school. I don't even think he said it was very good. And you're like 18. Yeah. It can break you. Yeah. It can break you. And now now he, he came back and wrote the foreword for my touring show. So it had a silver lining. <laughs> um, but um but I did pay him. So that So if your art school helped. if your art school is anything like my music school, as you yeah. mentioned before, there was yeah. just, it was just a lot of occasional learning, but it was more about the organized yeah. social drinking. Yeah, 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 that's right. It's funny what you said about idol because um Guy Sebastian's studio is beneath my art studio uh, in Surrey Hills. And he decked out the lower ground into his pri- private recording studio because all Sony's around that area and stuff like that. And I remember his wife coming up saying, oh, we'll get, we'll get you tickets to the show. I'd be like, oh, I, I'm really busy. And she'd, she'd be like, he's, but I promise he's really good. He is really, really good. And I, I felt like saying to her, I know he's really good. He's, he's not really good. He's amazingly good. So I get it. I get what you're saying about amazing and, and music. I think, I mean, I, I'm not... I'm not in particularly into his. I wouldn't buy his records. 
but I think he's an incredible talent. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? We're talking about the Kelly Clarkson of Australia. He's the guy that won the very first season of Australian Idol. But more importantly, he's still around. And crushing. And crushing it. Crushing it. Chopping, uh, topping charts. Still getting nominated for Arias. Still, yeah. like, he's still killing it. Destroying. Just killing it. Yeah. And a lovely guy to boot. You know what I mean? Best. Yeah. So, like, it, it, it's kind of interesting. Like, it, it was not, it's nice to see how, it was nice to see how human he, he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, and the more I meet people of different levels of success and fame, they're always really decent people. You know, occasionally they're very weird, but like they're still it's eccentricity that comes yeah. with. Oh, creativity. sure, but they're still yeah. decent. They're still decent. Usually, I, mean? I don't think you can have a long career if you're in, if you're an asshole. No, you just burn too many bridges. Maybe, maybe in in business, maybe you can. Maybe, yeah. and I've met enough uh, bankers and finance guys that are just people I wouldn't let spend a day with my mother. All right, just wouldn't do it. Yeah, but. In that realm, in that world, that kind of alpha wolf eat what you kill kind of mentality yeah. can get you by. No. I don't think in in certainly in my industry and in tellies, forget about it's it. It's too small, right? No, it's a small shit, mate. Yeah. You can't yeah. <laughs> the word gets around. Yeah. Well, it gets around fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, Just you... like I can imagine don't work with him as a nightmare. Like it, you know, he's he seems lovely, but it's Oh yeah. yeah. You'll you'll just they just won't the phone will just stop ringing. And it must you be know. devastating. Oh, mate, it's happened to me. Yeah. The phone just stopped ringing after a while. And yeah, that's just devastating. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you're killing it. So, you know. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I'm. You know, hey. I'm doing okay. Don't be modest. I'm still grateful. I don't know much. I don't watch that much television, but mate, come on. You're killing it. I'm grateful it. to be you're where I am. It. I'm grateful to have a second shot of the title. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, because not many people do. No, that's true. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. So, um, are you right to talk about what happened to you? Yeah. Okay. Anything. So you're about in, anything at all. You're, okay. So you're in the middle of art school. Yeah. Yeah. John yeah, McDonald yeah, yeah. is is is, like, is reviewing like, your work. I'm like two years in, and I'm you're just, hanging at the National Gallery. Yeah. And I'm par- I'm partying a bit. Um. And then boom, I, I have a massive seizure. Um. At a mate's house, and uh, and people think shit. I think oh, he's partying too hard. And then uh, I, um, the ambulance comes, and it was. Because it's a seizure, they do a routine CAT scan, and boom, there was a brain tumor um, sitting, um, not surprisingly, in my brain. Um, and um, yeah, it kind of it kind of stopped me on my tracks. And I had um, brain surgery uh, at age nineteen on April Fool's Day. I thought it was appropriate um, in April, in nineteen ninety nine. Um, and I've kind of just so lucky. It was kind of half, um, not quite a glioma, which um, unfortunately, if anyone no, has had someone who's had one of those, they'll know the devastating effects of glioma as opposed to like um, one that's not um, particularly aggressive. I mean, those, they just kill you in six months. It's just so devastating. You go, you go from healthy human to a ghost, like before you even know what's happened. And it's, I just saw people die in hospital. And How long hospital. were you in hospital for? Uh, just in, as long as it took, takes to have one and one removed and recover, and then the the healing process after. But it's long enough, you know. It's such a weird neurology is such a weird department. Like they even have things. At, I mean, I'm into humor because if you you got if you don't laugh, you cry. Basically, they even have the bars at the end of the ward, like you get in shops to stop like clothes being stolen because people wake up and think they're at home because they've reset their brain and go to go go to the fridge and, go beep, 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 and get walked back to their, their bed and you they've got a tag that goes off because oh. they because you don't know what's going to happen they, they say look you might not you might have to learn how to speak again you might have, or walk or we're not, we're not quite sure 
and like you, it's like it's like black magic. They go the part of the brain that's in will control your left arm and and maybe um, long term memory. And sure enough, I, ha- I can't sleep on my left arm to this day and I get shakes in it. I was telling you about the shakes in my arm even today. Even today, I've kind of got shakes in my left arm. And I sh- don't remember much about my child- that much about my childhood, only what I've made up. Like that story I told about Richard Branson, I've added my special salt and pepper to and it's what I remember of it. I don't even remember going to it. I don't oh. even remember anything about it. All I remember is the photo of him. Um, being on his shoulders and the rest I've kind of made up. Having said that, though, we're on the same boat. Some people remember their childhood yeah. in credit. If, if, if they had an extraordinary circumstance, they remember their childhood um, much more vividly. But most people don't, so it's, it's no big deal. What's the, what's the after effect? I've had, I had a skiing accident in 2012 yeah. where I, I had a head injury. Yeah. And for about three or f- maybe, maybe four days, my vocabulary went down to about like 100 words. It was really heavy. Yeah, that's I wanted, heavy. Yeah, I wanted to piss my pants and vomit at the same time when, yeah. it, when it hit. Yeah, right. And I wasn't right for about like a good year and a half. Yeah. I just wasn't wasn't right. Yeah, it knocks you about. Like you have all that stuff. You have post-operative anxiety and, and depression because obviously the way, you, you know, we were talking about it before, the way you view things in the world is turned upside down, especially mm. at a young age because you've basically – the formative years. Everyone says, oh, they're the years when you work out what's what and who's who and where's yeah. where. And then it all gets changed and then you reset. Um, so, Did you have to relearn how to do anything? Not really. I kind of had to, to I don't know, it's, it's weird. I had to, I had incredible anxiety and kind of still have a fair bit to this day. And, and I had some depression pretty heavily. And, um, yeah, you see, you go through all the processes. And how, I mean, the next obvious question is like when you looked at stuff that you painted before and after, was there a oh, difference? Oh, I just, I just stopped. I, I, my, I was lucky. My undergraduate degree was in um, electronic and temporal arts, which is toss a talk for video work. Yeah, um, because otherwise, you know. And back then, it was like, what a time to do a video degree. I'm talking beta and super VHS. I'm like, am I that old? I'm 35. I can't have done a degree at uni in my teens. And like, here we are now with you doing broadcast quality at your kitchen table, you know, like mind blowing. And I was doing this stuff like uh, only back in 98, 99. But you know, that just, uh, it was like you in music. I just thought, no, I'm not going to make it. I can't work in the film industry. I have to work with too many people. I have too much anxiety. The hours are too long. All my, all my, um, all my, uh, um, Epilepsy, which is uh, a major result, one of the major results I've had of of having this brain tumour. Uh, and, you know, I have seizures every second or third night of some degree, and so I have for ages. So, like, and just taking the tablets, so many tablets, you know, they, yeah. the, the list of side effects is so long. Um, I blame it for, my, for, for gaining weight. Realistically, if you look at my family, I just can't look like everyone else and I don't do enough exercise and I don't eat well enough. But I've got a Band-Aid, which is that, <laughs> no, no, I, that would be stupid. But, yeah, the, the, there's, it, 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 was, it was pretty heavy. I'll put it that way. No, no doubt. I mean, there's, there's somebody in my life who's got epilepsy and yeah. um, this person is quite, quite heavily affected. And the, can, yeah. this person has the, uh, has the kind of seizures you see in the after-school specials yeah, yeah. where got it. things get broken and yeah. 
and people freak out. Yeah. And it happens on the bus and it happens. Yeah. There. I've had those ones, ground mal seizures, where you lose total consciousness, turn blue, piss your pants, and people think, this guy's dead. And I just feel for my wife, you know, like, God, like, I can barely stop myself from crying right now for thinking of like this woman. Can you imagine going out with a guy at 19 who cops a brain tumor? Most people are like, this shit's too heavy for me. I'm out. Sorry, I'm 19. I'm literally about to party for 10 years. So, <laughs> like, uh, you're lovely. You seem like a lovely guy. You're just broken. So I'm out. But like, I'm still, I'm still with it. Wow. Um, um, and now I'm. We're both about to turn 36. So 17 years. I've only spent half my life with this woman. That's she is my like. Er, she's everything to me. You know, everything yeah. to me. So, and but she's the one who has to cop it, man. Yeah. Like you don't know if the person's going to die every time you have one. Can you imagine having to go to sleep with that? Really, you can. Yeah. They can kill you. Well, if you swallow your tongue. Yeah. You know what I mean. If something goes wrong. Yeah, but that's why I travel with someone every time. I can't even go anywhere. I'm, I've, I've got someone with me at the moment who's shopping down on Abbot Kinney. Down on Abbot Killy, because I can't do anything by myself without a minder in case I have one. And people go, "Why has this guy had it?" And I come too, and suddenly I've got an Australian accent. I'm like, well, he's not even American. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear, we don't know. He's, he's in like, geez, we didn't get him to a hospital quick enough. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, I mean, I could wear a little metal wristband. Yeah, saying, I've got one. It's yeah, good. yeah. Instead of uh, instead of saying saying epileptic, but I've never got I've never never really thought about that. But yeah, let's move on from that. It's kind of managed. A lot of people deal with it, as you say. Yeah. It can be very scary. Does but- it, however, having this in your life, does that inform or what role does it play in informing the creativity that's become your art seriously having that fast tracked me growing up out the window when taking any form of drugs out the window when wasting time as when i got better i was like i just want to paint full stop i said what are you going to do you're going to take some time off and no i just want to paint just want to go and do a master's i want to paint every day for the rest of my life done and they were like geez we're lucky to have him around let him paint simple as that no and like my dad, so lovely, said, "Look, I'll give you two hundred bucks a week to get on your feet, to like help you go through your masters because you can't can't really work in your, with with your condition." And you know, so I worked for him. It wasn't and it wasn't free money. And uh, then, um, yeah, I just because I read that you that you worked. Is this when you started? Because I've read that you worked seven days a week for ten years. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I just like. That's when that started? I mean, that sounds like a load of shit. But all I mean is I was in, I'm in the studio because it doesn't feel like work. When you do this stuff, it's so, I mean, when you're on the set of whatever it is, a TV show or, or prepping the RS, whatever, that is like grueling. It's grueling and there are like, I don't even know how it works, but I'm sure you have to be there for 12, 14-hour days and all this stuff. And, you know, it's it, actually, to be real honest. Yeah. It feels like the funnest thing ever. Oh, does it? Super okay, so you're in my it. boat. You're in, you're in my boat. You love that's it. That's what it feels like. To me, I, it's it's an open book. I can You can do as much or as little. And that's why I'm always not preaching, but people are saying, well, how do I do this thing, how to be an artist? And I'm always like, you got to get your own studio, point one, so you feel like you're going somewhere. It can be your garage, but converted. But at least bloody well get out of, get out of you know, your headspace where you actually, where, you know, you're, you're, get out of your the space which is, meant to be nurturing you, your home and into a space which is creative. Yeah. Um, 
and then you feel like you're going to work. I always think it's, I think that's really important. And, uh, you know. Um, and you would turn up every day yeah, around the same every, time? I got a really nice studio. I'd turn up, you know, late in the morning. I'd work through till dinner. I'd have dinner with Izzy. And then most nights I'd go back and work through till 2 a.m. And I just did that way more than, than the other artists around me. And, uh, yeah, I just did it a lot. That's that. the thing that a lot of people don't quite realize about what it is to be an artist and, if, yeah. and an artist that can sell their work and, pay and, and get paid. It's, 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 a, it's a five, if not seven day a week job. Where oh. you, there's a process to it. It's not like you just sit around the house, thumbing your fingers, playing ukulele and humming <laughs> and then go, oh, and then yeah. run over and paint yeah. it. It's what, no, right. what it's, gets sold might be yeah. the 50th version of what. Yeah, it, of course. And then what happens when three galleries, five galleries, seven galleries want your work? And you're like, oh, so hang on, I've got to make 200 bucks a year, but I'm not comfortable doing that. It feels like I'm sold out, I'm selling out. But then uh, it's an opportunity I can't miss out. One, one, there's a show in London, there's a show in Hong Kong, there's a show in Singapore, there's a show at an Australian embassy, there's a show here. I can't not do those. They're, you'd be crazy, you'd be mad. I'm just going to have to work more. And then you're like, well, oh, dear, now, now these people want to sell my work privately and all these people want commissions? Well, this guy wants a commission, but I really respect that guy. He's he's an amazing guy. I've got to do a commission of his wife, or or because think of what it could lead to, and 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 think of who who'd see it and the prestige of it, and and so I'll just work even harder. And like suddenly you're just working the entire time, and it's so funny. It's like you always talk to people who run their own business, and they're like, I was just happy when it was just me, <laughs> just me doing for like what I could handle with one gallery and. Now that I do all this stuff and run galleries and show heaps of different galleries around, uh, around the place and internationally, I kind of feel like, you know, I talked to a guy who was painting a house once. He's like, I know how you feel, man. In the 80s, I had like three paint. I had about 12 staff and three vans painting around Sydney. I ended up just stressed, worried about how to pay people the whole time and how to micromanage them and whether they were ripping me off and they're good painters and it was so much easier and it was just me and my brother painting houses. I made more money. I was like, I feel like you, except I'm painting canvases, not houses. But both are valid and I don't want to be condescending. And, uh, You're both painters, dude. We're both painters. In fact, I get that all the time. I'm in cabs and they're like, what do you do? I'm like a painter. They're like, oh, so how long have you been doing houses? And then I feel like, okay, 13 years. <laughs> I don't know if the lies in. Like, so how much is it to get a house painted? And I'm like, Two to six thousand. I'm just you know, just the lie continues. And <laughs> I don't know why it feels funny. So when okay, so I do want to ask you then about. I want to ask you about the business side of things. Sure, but, but it's not talked about enough. Can I just put it out there? No, let's talk about it right now. Yeah. So, August okay, so, said so that that over there that was uh, taken by that photo there is taken by an, an artist called Javiera Estrada. She's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and um, it's a it's a fantastic nude. I saw it at a house. Um, she's a photographer here in Los Angeles. Um, she was at, she was in Miami and I'm like, I've got to fucking, I've just got to have that in my home. And you know, when I, when I look at her and, and my other, cause I live in Venice, there's a lot of artists that live around here. It was yeah. only here that I, I learned, I don't know, you know, I'm ignorant of it because I just didn't know, but it was only here that I learned that no artists actually go to work and artists actually work every day. And the thing that separates, uh, you know, someone who just paints to someone who calls themselves an artist is that they are in the studio at nine in the morning. And, and or whatever ten in the morning, and they do work for ten hours, and they and it's the process of work, and they have assistance, and it's creation, and into the space of that, I don't want to say mechanized flow, but into that workflow, their creativity 
oversees the whole thing and the art is still the art. Um, it's not like I'm just going to pump out 200 of these things yeah. and, you know, everything does have that touch. I, that's a very kind of ranty explanation of what I was trying to explain. Um, but no, it's just cool. The, the, I, I, I totally understand. That. The other thing that I, I talked about, because there was a point when I first got here um, when I was thinking about, you know, some of my photography and how some of my photography might end up on, on somebody's wall. And um, my old flatmate, she just said to me, Osh, the, the thing is that art, art's just an agreement. It's just an agreement that what my photograph, oh, see this stuff here, this is, um, uh, what's his name? He's a, uh, uh, Norman Seif. He's a South African guy. He took these, I bought them off at his uh, studio in, in Burbank. Um, and it's just an agreement of how much stuff is worth and how much this person's art is worth versus, like, I could have taken that photo of Frank Zappa. I wasn't alive at the time, but it, my photo of Frank Zappa versus Norman Seif's photo of Frank Zappa, the story around Norman Seif is a better story, so therefore it's worth more money. So uh, can we talk about the business side of things? At yeah. what point did, you know, were you able to say to your dad, you know what, don't need the 200 bucks every week, I'm doing okay? Uh, look, I never had that situation where <clears throat> you go to art school, you finish, you love the work, Mr. Dealer comes by and goes, you, you're brilliant. You're showing. Um, Let's go, kid, straight to the top. Yeah. Like, it happens. It still happens, though, you know. Wow. Like, it, it, I know artists. I know artists that were plucked straight out of art school, and I think they're worse for it, quite frankly. Because and so that relationship with a dealer, is that, what's the analogy there? Is it like a music manager? Is it yeah, like, I think like a sports the, agent? You've got to... You've got to make mistakes. You've got to show at artist-run spaces. You've got to put on your own work. Find mm -hmm. out, find out where your audience is. All that kind of business. You know, that's yeah. that's so important. But, um, yeah. Look, it, it can be like when you sell. When did you sell your first? Uh, well, I, the, my master's show I turned into my first solo show. Mm -hmm. Um, it was at a super hip gallery in the back of Surrey Hills and. It was sponsored, had all these sponsors and it was the work. I, I set the price. They were 120 by 90 square meter paintings and they were 800 bucks. Um, and I thought, look, my friends can stretch to that. It's it's still a lot of money, but they can stretch and it's still a really big painting and it sold out. And I did a lot of, I did, you got to do everything. I invited everyone. I found people to buy it. Of course, at that stage, it's friends and family only, maybe a couple of randoms mm. who were like, yeah, I like the stuff. Or one of your best mates might invite her parents along. And um... even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince—they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
you know, and uh, uh, that happened. And that was very beneficial, you know. You never know who's going to rock up and who's going to help and who likes the work and responds to it and wants to, you know. Because I always, who buys it is yeah. as important as, as important as important. It. Like in in the, in that case, the person's dad was um, one of the directors of Avian Amro, who super important. That's a massive investment bank. Yeah, it's humongous. Lo and behold, also on the Art Gallery of South Board. Yeah, uh, like. We're talking like the kind of guy who maybe can vote on whether things get into the Archibald Prize, which is the biggest portrait prize in Australia. So like huge or just like big enough that has the kind of people over where they see one in the house and go, who did that? It's fantastic. It's not that those other investment bankers or whoever's around, you know, those, those he has everyone, everyone from Cape Blanchett around to like, because, you know, he's on the board of a state theatre company as well. Like, um, you know, uh, it, 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 these things, they matter. They're not everything. I always say you need you need someone to champion you, and I certainly had that in some respects by several people. Um, and you need that hard work we've been talking about, and you need a bit of luck. And the one thing that we talked about early, talents that's just a given. If you don't have that talent, look, push, push, uh, I think at some stage, like I, I, I don't necessarily hundred percent agree or disagree with you about the like you have to be great. Maybe music, music, maybe music's different, but like. I don't think you have to be like, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm right about that. I don't know. I'm undecided about whether you have to be brilliant, but you need talent. Talent's a given. But, yeah, the other three things, luck, a, cha a, a, a champion, and um, hard work are non-negotiable for me, absolutely non-negotiable. If someone doesn't back you and say, nah, keep doing it, it's brilliant. Nah, I'll buy another one from the show. You've got to put a dot. You've got a red dot for the next show. You know, nothing like that for confidence going into a show. And then... You know, um, so yeah, I mean, you, you need all those things. But yeah, I, I, I did that, started at $800 and then um, showed in artist run spaces for a very long time, like four or five years. And then I got into the prizes because all people started seeing my work. Uh, the Archibald helped enormously. I, I've hit that six times, which is like no one my uh, as yeah, a finalist. Yeah, no, selected as a finalist. Yeah, yeah. No, no one by the age of 31 had got into it six times ever. So just like high rotation, well, this guy must be good. And unfortunately, Australia, as you were talking about, is not the kind of place where people buy paintings for fun on the weekend uh, like they do in Europe. But, um, uh, I mean, in Europe, if you're wealthy, you don't buy paintings for fun on the weekend. You start a bloody foundation. You buy a building. You get an amazing architect. You take a chance on an architect who's young. You build a beautiful small foundation and, you, and that's it. And you make sure that there's enough money to keep it going in perpetuity. Like that's the kind of stuff we're talking about over there. That was just completely unheard of, you know. David Walsh opened Mona in, in Tasmania. It's blowing people's minds. And it's, well, it should. It's incredible. But, you know, that's like one of the first ones ever on a large scale in Australia. And it's literally changed an entire state of, of Australia. One guy, one collection. It's just out of control. With the tourism that's coming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he even had a whole a court case about not paying tax, which was brilliant. They said, well, you haven't paid tax on your on your winnings. And he said, well, if you, because he, he makes his money through gambling. They said, well, then I'm claiming my losses. <laughs> and they went, oh, that actually kind of works. That's kind of funny. <laughs> I think brilliant. <laughs> Who's the lawyer who thought of that? That's fantastic. It's amazing. Because, well, if, you, if, you, if you're claiming my winnings, I'm, I'm, I'm claiming my losses. And P.S., I'm shutting down Mona tomorrow. Wow. And they were like, oh, no, 
okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye court case. Wow. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it, it, that's, that's... How much of your day now then is is hustle? I mean... All of my day. It's re- it's actually unhealthy. My my balance is unhealthy now. It's all hustle and then I try and paint at night. And, and the can, hustle is inviting people to shows, is getting into shows, is creating... artists, curating shows, organising stuff. Um, uh, yeah, just there's stuff on every day. And, you know, I'm at a very particular point in... Um, uh, my family life where my wife has got her own practice as well. She's a full-time architect working and we've got two kids under five. So it's hard. It's hard to balance, but not that hard. It's just, a, you know, but it's an unfair balance um, um, with work and it, it's very hard to, to balance everything. So, you know, all that that, that kind of romantic, um, super hard regime that we were talking about earlier is kind of out the window and now it's like very streamlined and, it's funny. It's like the opposite of when I was young. When I was young, I was cash poor and uh, and I had all the time in the world. And now I've got money and I'm time poor. You know what I mean? I've got no time. Like I've I've got I've come to the the best art fair on earth, and I've left halfway through. You know, like I've I've been one day in Miami, straight uh, one day in Los Angeles, had a meeting straight to uh, Miami, went to the Vernissage, which is a pretentious word for opening, uh, and. Um, then um, uh, left the day after and had to organise some some mates from California to fly over to work the booth and bump it out, and I'm on a plane tonight. You know, so uh, any sane person would have spent a week in LA and then a week on the ground there and then a week recovering and chasing up all the leads just in case someone said, hey, I want blah, 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 and I'm in Miami, can you come and see my loft? Some guy was like, I want a commission of six-year works for my Miami loft. Uh, and I was like, we'll have to correspond via email. And you can just see the heat of the moment fizzling <laughs> with, right. every, with every – and if I'd said, no, screw that, I'm coming out for dinner tonight and I'm going to uh, do them in Miami, I'll stay on for another three weeks, do the paintings, and uh, I'll get someone to hang them. They would be like, oh, this is awesome. Right. Let's do it. So that's 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 how, how it works. That's sort of the, uh, uh, look, it, there's many ways that it works and there's no right or wrong, but, like, I, I think that – because Art Basel is kind of it's kind of like the South by Southwest of of, yeah. of art, really, it's, isn't it? Well, it's kind of like it's it's not necessarily the best like the best art uh, art fair series on on earth. It's just there's a lot of people and a lot of people from New York and uh-huh. um, a, lot a lot of euros of, as well, right? A lot of euros, a lot of galleries. Very few Australian galleries, and like it's something I always love. How to many watch. Australian galleries? Three. And you know what they are? They are uh, Jeff, who runs Neon Park. Uh, he's over at Nada Art Fair, which is a very good one. Um, and then me with uh, the gallery that I run, Chalk Horse, at Scope Miami, which is literally on the sand um, at South Beach. And then at Art Basel, Baz Luhrmann and Catherine Martin curated a, a stand because they happened to be in town to, um, fitting out a hotel. So I think it was just like, why not? And um, they would have, of course, Basel brand would have loved that for the, um, for the um, red carpet. And uh, one of the Aussie um, uh, um, press came around and said, yeah, that's it. I did everyone in like a day, talked to all the Australians in a day. But sadly and weirdly, hundreds of Australian artists on the ground, mainly street artists and stuff uh, and um, people who were younger artists checking it out or doing residencies or living in New York or following their dream. I was like, man, we've got to get more, we've got to get some more, <laughs> some more, um, people at these fairs but it's hard it doesn't work financially 
Um, so of course, no one does it. And in fact, very few people travel and I don't, they just don't travel enough or show enough. And I always been championing that. And I've had probably over a dozen international solo shows and I've always, I've had always tried to do that and be part of it. And I don't care if they lose money. I just do not care. I don't even care if they're in, a, I don't even care if they're in a gallery. Yes. Last year, um, I had one at a racetrack in Italy, um, you know, uh, we, we turned two pit lanes into an art gallery. I did, I did maybe a, a, a half, a, uh, sorry, a dozen paintings of, of cars, mainly Italian. And there you have it, it where you, you, people came to the opening with the sound of cars racing around the F3 track. It was just awesome. And it was in Modena, which is the heart of the Italian racing community, um, which is right near Mar uh, Marinello, which is the town where they make um, Ferrari. So they're literally tr testing for F430s, uh, 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 not, sorry, no, no, I'm thinking of F40s. I mean, Ferrari 430s, are, they're testing them on this track. Fantastic. Yeah, so it's cool. I mean, that's Did how... Get some red dots that day? Yeah, I've got some. And like, but that took engineering. Like, the thing is, you can't... You've got to be realistic. That's yeah. the other thing about this. People aren't realistic. They think they're going to be picked up by a magic dealer who takes them right to the top, as you said. And it's just... You, you, you just got to be a bit... You've got to be realism. You know, you, you've got to, like... You've got to work at... You've really got to work at... And um, uh, with that one, some of it sold back to Australia. You know, one of the guys who, who curated the show is Italian. So we had the full language on the ground and he was working it hard with his contacts. Some of the work sold there. Um, we knew the owner of the track, as you do. She, her dad owned the, owned the racetrack. And um, I actually painted an entire car and then the race the racetrack bought that as, as like one of the cars that they cruise around in. And I was like, yes, I'm going to be able to paint a Ferrari. And what turned up was a Ford car. I don't know if you know them. Yeah, they're little. It's yeah. a roller skate. I was like, too bad. I'm going to do it anyway. It was great. We like sanded off the Juco till it got down to like a matte white, then used automotive paint. I did an abstract and then they, they re-glossed it. And, Super. Uh, and yeah, it's great. So I'm always looking for these. And you never know where people are going to pop up. Seriously, never. Yeah. Like I did a show up, uh, up in um, the Northern Territory uh, and, um, you know, I, I painted a, a Lexus. And I got, no, sorry, Alexis got wrapped in my artwork. It was a busted up old FJ Holden painted out of Alice Springs. I painted it. I did a whole series of uh, paintings out uh, and the Aboriginal communities went out there and spent some time. My, mate, my mates live in Alice and, um, you know, I love to travel and love to hang out with artists and different people. It's like I'm not one of those artists, as you said, who like, sits there and plays the ukulele and 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 puts one brushstroke on after another i'm super social when it comes to that and i love being surrounded by other artists and feeding off them um i've been to your workspace in sydney it's it's big and it's, it's big there's it's lots big. of people working there. yeah there's lots of people across different mediums writers um photographers there's even a framer working in there you know and who also makes art and his art's brilliant he does it off an iphone he paints out of the foam left in a sink after washing up faces and takes an iPhone shot and gets them framed, you know? <laughs> and like, how would I ever know about those beautiful works otherwise? I'd be in my, my, my little world. And like, but the beautiful thing is we work together. He makes all my boards, the back, the, just the, the wood. And then I've got an assistant who helps, who makes all of the assemblage, which is really at the heart of my work. My work is not by the way, just for everyone listening, it's not on canvas. It's actually 
non-traditional art materials it's it's i buy most of my stuff at bunnings and from wholesalers which is like a home depot it's a big 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 i should have i should have a contract with home depot quite honestly because it it reminds me of like that you know that i i think it's weirdly become part of the conceptual gravity of my work too that i take everyday mundane things almost and like end up being these kind of magical shiny surface heavy works that Mm. look valuable and rich and all they are is timber old boards masonite pegboard plexiglass um found signs corrugated old bits of roof all put together and i call them assemblages so that gets glued and screwed and pressed flat um making quite a heavy board not not a light canvas and uh then that that becomes my canvas and then i paint vertically off a wall uh, with enamel which is not even uh from an art shop that's just like an enamel house paint so the kind of thing you're painting you the the sides of your doors with in your, in your, your handle handles of doors and um uh but yeah like 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 everything there's 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 method to the madness you know you, you can't if you just paint an enamel on a wall it would just cascade down you you know how to you find you find out okay how to so use you just things. said it's just a bunch of plywood and plexiglass and enamel yeah but and therein comes the interesting thing like with a song say for example and we keep going back to music why not with it's amazing with a song someone has these thoughts that come up in their brains and they've put it together and here's this thing that didn't exist beforehand and here's this uh sounds that don't even exist they're just air pressure waves um but this is a thing that i can charge you money for when you come and hear me do a live but you're taking what you're saying oh they're just everyday objects and i'm putting them together even you're describing it it's just oh it's just stuff yeah it's just stuff i mean you know but it's like i, I mean but that's, that's what i'm saying like, often, where does the value how does i the... often say like the, va- the value is in the concept mm-hmm. the value is in the in, in the backbone of it and the value is unfortunately judged like you judge any product on earth why are diamonds expensive because they restrict the amount there is they're hard to get you know what i mean like anyone can do what i'm doing basically but i mean maybe not but i did it first it's mine and um and uh people know it's mine therefore that's a product it's at the very base of what is a product and as your friend said at that at that point it's just a negotiation it's an agreement. It's an agreement. It's an agreement between um, the viewer and the maker, you know. And I guess, I mean, it does change. How does that? that how does that agreement change? Well, your 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 photos on the wall they're additioned. The sizes get bigger. Um, the the first prints that were done in the seventies are probably more valuable. Yeah, and these are that, digital repros. Yeah, the ones that were signed by for Frank are more are more are more. Are more um, more valuable uh-huh. there, there are a lot of things that that change that yeah and that goes that goes for for all you know where you know oh it's a picasso from his blue period well that's worth more you know like you know what i mean like it wasn't his blue period him just doing the same thing 90 yeah, times he did everything but he he did like he he was pretty crazy though you know by, by breakfast he'd done 10 artworks and then you know i saw a cardboard artwork i shit you not it was on a, a perspex stand with a security guard at Basel, was it, Picasso? it was a Picasso made out of folded cardboard. It looked like it was a banana box from Trader Joe's, painted white, with a wonky picture of a tranny on it that your three-year-old could have done. And I talked to like a woman, and I said, "So, how much is this Picasso?" She goes, oh, "Okay, I, can, I, you know, I, I can't sell this to you. I, 
uh, I'd have to get one of the consultants. I said, well, what's your job? She goes, I- I'm just an assistant. I said, well, you can assist me. I just want to, I just want a ballpark. I mean, do you think I'm going to buy this? She goes, no. I said, well, then it doesn't matter, does it? She goes, upwards of 10 million. And I was just like, well, that is a very good agreement. I don't know if it's a true story, yeah. and I've told it before, but it's it's a story with Picasso in it. He's at he's in Malaga in the south of Spain where he was living, yeah. and um, uh, some tourists was there watching this man just drew line drawings, just doing a single line drawings, so those yeah. really remarkable single line drawings. And she's having a coffee. She's watching him sit there, and he's, he's doing these things while he's having a coffee at this cafe. And she stands up and she says, oh, um, could I – I see you're doing these pictures. I'm wondering if I could uh, – buy one because he's just doing them one after the other one after the other and he's flipping over the sketchbook he says can i buy one and she says he says yeah sure and so he picks up his pen puts it on the on the piece of paper he goes rips it off and gives it to her she said that's that's amazing how much do i owe you and he says that'll be fifteen thousand euro and she says fifteen thousand dollars she says but it took you it took you 10 seconds says it took me 55 years yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's true it is true it, it's very true you know like it's it's yeah i get that a lot because my work looks quick it's energetic i like my work to be super energetic and look like there's energy behind it you know i don't want it to look like it's labored over and part of the thing is that i've got a relatively formal background in this construction i've talked about this assemblage which if for people who, who haven't seen the work, it looks a bit like a geometric abstraction, like a Mondrian, like bits and pieces butt edged together with bright colours and text and then over that flows this paint and then I, you know, I, I, I want that paint to have energy because the background looks like it took time and those two things butt edge against each other. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they, 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 just, they just create friction. And, um, but, yeah, people always say, well, how long does it take you to do a painting? Some of, the, some of these portraits take two hours, you know. And but you know, Keith Richards' rest satisfaction in four minutes by a pool. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long it takes. No, it doesn't you. matter. It doesn't matter. And quite frankly, people. But it does matter to the buyer. To on the flip side, because people are very comfortable buying photorealistic painting because for them it means time and quality. So you see, people, if you render a perfect apple on canvas and it's oil and glazed beautifully and the lights reflecting off it it's got a way better chance of selling than one of my kind of things to someone who doesn't know because the all they've got to use is time to equate with a skill mm. because they don't know whether it's good or not necessarily. Mm. And I always get that. Well, I don't know if it's any good, you know. Like I'm like, well, you know what you like. Just go with that. You know what I mean? And it's, um, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it, it doesn't matter to the maker at the time, but it often matter, matters to the... Right, And it's actually funny, you know, some, some of my colleagues who are super successful artists in Australia, the galleries ring up and say, can you guys stop putting pro- progress photos on Instagram? You're showing the buyers that you did this in bloody 48 hours. They paid 50 grand for this work. Just stop it because it will be like white canvas, big night tonight, I put the kettle on. Boom, finished. And it will be like an update three hours later. And then you've got Mr Banker going, What? Three hours, you know, in my, because it matters to them. So it, 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 it's it's funny, right? That, that's um. Sorry, that's my everything's ringing. This is a beautiful part about Apple. 
Is it Apple? That, let me. This is Kai. So this is the guy who's giving you a ride to the airport. Yeah. Hey, hey buddy, you're on speaker. Oh yeah, no worries, bud. Um, uh, when do you need him? Uh, it's all good, man. We're just uh, we're just gonna leave the shot. Uh, are you gonna head to AK? Yeah. Well, if you guys want to meet us at AK, that actually might be easier. All right. We'll meet you at. We'll be there. Uh, we're probably about half an hour away. Is that gonna be all right? Yeah, that's, that's totally fine, dude. Do you want to? Um, do you want to meet at GTA? We could uh, work to get a punt before we go to. Perfect. So oh, we've got to get we've got to get Jasper down to the store as well. Okay. Yeah. So maybe leave it a little bit of time so you guys can do that. You got it. All right, mate. See you there. See you, mate. So that's Kai, who's the brother of your assistant, Dean, yeah. who's with you on this trip. Oh, but he's an artist in his own right. Yeah. And actually, he it's he who I was thinking of who was plucked straight out of art school to All right. Australia's old, one of Australia's most oldest and respected art galleries. Right. Like, like literally straight out of his, his final year, not even masters, just his final year show yeah. and plucked out. Like, like that, boom. Just yeah. like, and this, this is a guy who sold work of like Jeffrey Smart and um, uh, Brett Whiteley. These are Australia's biggest artists, yeah. artists that sell for three or four million dollars, which is quite big for Australia. Um, what well, doesn't get any bigger? Yeah, and, you know. So it's pretty funny. So the Instagram thing's really interesting. Yeah, it's changed a lot actually. I, I I only do photos of artwork, no baby photos or personal shots. I just do just strictly artwork. But the progress photo thing, that's fascinating. It's fascinating. And I'll tell you what's fascinating. I was just at Miami and people were like, ah, oh, you must know CJ Hendry. I'm like, no. She goes, but she's an Australian artist. She's so good. I'm like, people keep mentioning this CJ Hendry. I looked it up. It's like 150,000 followers on Instagram. And it's like preparing for my first solo show ever. I'm like, oh, my God. And then the next one said, sold 101 out of 103 paintings. Great night. And I'm like, this is wild. And I looked it up, perfect renderings with pencil of like apples and folded Gucci handbags. She's like 26, decided she wanted to be an artist two years ago, left working from a fashion school, uh, from a fashion shop and made these works and used Instagram. And she was mentioned more. And some of the, the, no one mentioned any of Australia's famous artists to me at all. Like the Archibald winners and like Del Catherine Barton, who's won that like Archibald twice. She's one of the most successful like contemporary young like mid career painters in Australia, and her works are like thirty eight, forty grand. CJ Hendry, old CJ Hendry, I'm, I'm sure she's lovely and she's doing very well. I think the work's excellent. 50 grand she sold a work for from her first show. Amazing. Amazing. And people in Miami are telling me about an artist I've never heard going, well, how come you haven't heard of her? She's like Australia's biggest artist at the moment in America. <laughs> this is like, I'm like, well, I guess it does matter. The kind of, this is, this is changing everything. And I'm sure it's the same across music and I'm sure it's the same across television. Like it's, it's all changed. You don't need studios to make broadcast quality television. Not at all. You don't even need good content. You just keep shooting and then cut it down. Like, you know, these things have... These these things have changed. Like I think that the the way art's being sold has changed. And like I'm lucky that like my three galleries are are, are not necessarily they're not run to make. I'm not I'm not a I'm not a gallery I'm not a gallerist like that. I always get shocked when people say, "But you're a gallerist." I'm like, well, I do run three art galleries, but I don't see it like that. I just I they they provide very specific tools for me, and um, they're very. Um, important in terms of my relationship with the Australian art market, like in terms of showing work, you know, mm. and keeping in touch with things. 
Um, so yeah, look, things are changing. If Ooh. people want, so if people listening want more art in their lives, what do you think they should do? Okay, well, I, I get asked this a lot and I think I've got a pretty good formula. Set a comfortable limit financially, point one. It can be anything, okay? I'm talking 50 bucks. Um, it can be two grand. It can be five grand. I mean, I'll be honest, my, my, my comfort level now is about five grand. I'll buy anything that I like. I won't check if there's a million of them. I won't check if the artist is any good. I won't check anything. I'll just be like, nah, I really like that. I don't need to know anything about it. I'm going there. I'm just going to get it and hang up my wall. I must have it. Um, and, you know, if you're saying, well, nothing's 50 bucks, it's not true. You can go to the markets. You can get stuff for 50 bucks. There's stuff everywhere. Mm. You, can, you can even go to auctions, art auctions and stuff. There's, there's you Sunday. can find Banksy at Columbus Circle for 50 bucks. Yeah, exactly that right. That video is amazing. Exactly right. You can, you, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. But yeah, set a comfortable limit yeah. above and beyond that amount. Do some research because uh -huh. you'll get burnt and it will turn you off buying ever again. So you're that'll, be, that'll be so sad. You're talking art to buy for appreciation versus art to buy for investment. No, I'm just talking art to buy. I, I just think once, you know, once you're over your comfort level, um, I think it can greatly affect the way... Um, your experience with it in terms of it being something. and what should it should it be something i mean i bought these because i like to look at them every day yeah and i for me that's what that's it I, I, that's what i want well that's fine you know you're but you, you you've got a good handle on why you buy work some people buy it thinking it's going to appreciate it you know people always buying my work thinking that i remember like being i was lucky enough to like sell out my first i don't know like like I've I've had four solo shows a year. I've had over forty solo shows, which for a thirty-five year old's ludicrous. You're a machine. Yeah, I just I've had so many, and I just remember people coming in at six sharp, going that one, that one, that one, walking out, not even shaking my hand. They were just looking for the most Jasper Knighty paintings. It had the most pegboard, the most separation of um, primary colors, which is like one of my kind of trademarks, if you will. Um, wasn't too abstract. Uh, and was a good size for a home. You know, it was, and it was sickening. And then I remember um, talking to Tim uh, Tim Storia's son, Ben Storia, who's a mate of mine, and Tim Storia is a famous Australian artist. And um, I'm not name dropping, I'm just telling a story. Like this guy would sell out all his shows throughout the 80s. He's an incredible, incredible artist in terms of his drawings. He's an amazing drawer and he's an amazing painter. And he'd sit in a room and cry, you know? And I just found that so. Um, I really sympathise with that. You, you've, you, you, just because it sells out isn't a great. Doesn't really mean that much, you know. It, it, it it's, it can be really, um, you know. Some people view it as losing a part of them when they when the work goes. You know, it's it's funny. I mean, I don't know why I told that story, but I guess it was like me feeling empty that it had become a machine, and these yeah. people, and then. Him going, no, don't worry, you know, this is a well-trodden path. And now I just accept it. And the way I view it is very simple, and I bang on this about this a lot. You've got to feed your soul on one side and then view stuff as slightly commercial on the other. And I'm sorry, if you don't do that, you're just kidding yourself. Like I've got a commercial painting practice. It, it means I don't have to wait tables. I love what I do. I think it's very creative. I work with different artists and different people even to achieve it. Um, and it's, for me, it's still exciting, even 
after doing it for 16, 17 years. But on the other hand, I'm doing collaborations with people. I do um, combine, I've done 13 projects with my wife, um, with art, architectural things and um, different installations in art fairs and um, projects for uh, City of Sydney and Art and About and things that I find interesting and working with different people, you know, you're working with engineers, you're working, you, you're taken out of the ordinary there, out of my ordinary life and, mm. and ordinary day-to-day and, and just doing just, just stuff that is, um, I guess, rewarding for other reasons apart from selling work. And, yeah, I mean, it gets, it, it, it can get tough. Like, you know, you suddenly have to sell a lot of work just to keep the whole shebang going. Yeah. You know, and then like you're going, geez, am I making work just to make work? Okay. So then where does, and how do you, how do you keep the creativity in your workflow then? That I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I, I was talking to an older artist um, who I really respected the other day. And he goes, oh, you're almost at the end of this phase one. And I was like, oh, this sounds like bloody old man advice. Hit me with it. And he goes, well, it's like three phases. There's a classic up to your mid-career slump where everything's great and then it slows down, slows down, and then the slump happens where nothing happens, no one, the phone doesn't ring. It's like what you were talking, but yours was kind of fast-tracked maybe because um, TV, the kind of TV and media is much more cutthroat. You know, I think art, art, one of the great things about art and architecture for that reason, for that matter, is that there's a slow burn to it. Mm. There's a great slow burn to it that um, is so very... Fact, he, he was implying that you were in phase one? He was in... He was in, yeah, at the end of phase one. I'm like, that means I'm middle-aged? What? But I'm wearing a baseball hat. I'm cool, aren't I? I'm like, I'm not cool anymore. Everyone's so young when I go out to openings. I'm not cool at all. Who am I kidding? I've got to, should I be wearing a suit? I don't know what. You know, like sometimes my wife just, you know, if we're arguing, she's like, but you dress like an 18-year-old boy. I'm like, she's right, I do. I really do dress like an 18-year-old boy. I've got to stop doing that. I don't know what's going on there. But um, I don't know why I said that. What's phase three? Phase three, if you're lucky, is um, um, the renaissance, the rebirth, mm-hmm. the rebirth of cool, where you get a second chance. Yours has come early. You <laughs> might... I'd like to still think I'm still in phase one, man. Yeah. But... No. No, I'm in phase two. You could be in phase two. Or phase three. I might phase be in three. phase three. Oh, no, man. I don't think so. I think you're at the end of phase one. I think you're right. And you got a nice little bump, a nice little kicker at the end of phase one. And he just said... Quite blunt, bluntly, you got to make some bank by the end of phase one. You've got to, you got to have a place to paint, a place to put your head, and if you're lucky, you got a wife and kids to support you who understand what it is to be an artist. Because it's it's not nice being married to artists. It's it's effectively a pretty selfish thing, right? Like it's just you just kind of doing doing what you're doing. Like I, I kind of like to share the wealth as much as I can, but at the end of the day, it's still you're still doing what you want to do. So what would you say to people who are listening who might never paint, who might never uh, write a song, who might never do anything? What would you say to them about creativity and how can they bring more creativity into their lives? Well, um, yeah, that's that's quite a tough – I mean, there's no right answer to that one, right, you'd have to say. There's no like you must do X. But I, w- I would say that it, it's – you know, a good a good analogy might be like how I cured my um, a lot of my anxiety and how crazy people 
you were being crazy. They're like, we know you're crazy, but just hop on a bus every day. I know we know that you've got an imaginary friend next to you. We know you see things. Just pretend to be normal. And they just do it so much that they're normal. You know what I mean? They just, sh- they just kind of, sh- it's like exposure therapy. And I- I'd say the same thing for creativity. Like expose yourself to it. That's why I'm surrounded by artists and, and, and writers and, and, and architects. I'm so worried about not being creative that it's like, it's like a drug. I need constant exposure to this stuff because I'll, I'm so worried I'll be boring otherwise because, you know, you know what it's like. You, 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 you don't sell any work, you're a cool artist. You, you sell work, you sell, you sell out. You sell lots of work and I've sold a lot of artwork, like thousands of artworks. You're a commercial sellout, you know what I mean? And you're tarnished with that brush. So you can never win. So I'm always trying to do these other things to not, not buy back coolness. I don't even care about that anymore. I really, I haven't cared about being cool since I was sick. That part of my life was done. And that is a huge thing in, for artists, a huge hurdle, trying to think, find out where they fit into and, and trying to be cool. Don't, can't worry about any of that stuff. Can't worry about it for one second. No one cares. As we were talking about, the most successful people in Hollywood, the most successful artists, they're not cool. They're just, they're just people. You know, they're just, they're just people. You know what I mean? I mean, they've been, like, the press have made them cool. And, like, I must say that that helped me a lot. I had a lot of press and a lot of exposure early like that, and that helps heaps. And, like, a lot of people in Australia know my work, which is great. And, like, that's, that's really good. doesn't mean they like it. They just know it. You know, yeah, that stuff. You know what I mean? But in terms of creativity, if you're not creative or you want it in your life, and God damn it, it's not about wanting it. You need it. As a human, you need it. Like the Xbox, sorry, the Xbox and a bong at the end of the night is not good enough. It's You're missing out. You really are missing out. It's just not good enough. You know what I mean? You've got to feed. You, you, you've just got to expose yourself to it. And, you know, what better way than to, 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 to hang around um, creative people and, and start doing it yourself? But, of course, the flip side is sometimes these people are assholes. You, you want to go into a gallery and the gallerina looks above her no her glasses like what the fuck are you doing in here you don't belong here you, you I, you're not you're wearing flip-flops and, and a Hawaiian shirt you can't afford to buy this stuff like people always telling me I hate going into galleries I hate going to the Getty I hate they look at me like I don't belong they look at me like I'm stupid I, I feel awkward even um, being around art or, or trying to even comment on it yeah when people say when I ask them well, what do you what do you like about art and they say don't ask me that don't ask me I don't know anything. And it's, it's always a bit frustrating because they always know much more than you think. And yeah. you just got to talk about something they like and then the analogies flow, flow, flow. We could, we could talk a lot, but I, I promised Kai that I'd have you to Abbott Kinney in 12 minutes and I've still got to take your photo. So um, I guess the one question I'd ask you finally, uh, I guess, you know, two real quick ones. I mean, I wrote, I wrote down here that art is a way of getting energy out of the body. But you can also get it out in other ways. People can get that energy out through music. They can get it out through through sport. They can express themselves, uh, you know, by how they do things. And I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just wrote that down. Like this, there's something inside you that has to get out, and you do it with art. I think so. And I mean, mine doesn't manifest itself in energy. Mine manifests itself, and I only realised this relatively recently, in in kind of 
melancholy. I'm like, why am I so down at the moment? I feel so flat and I'm so stressed about it. I realise it's because I haven't painted. And it's so, and it sounds like a lie, it's not. I think, shit, I haven't been in the studio for two days. I haven't, I haven't, that quick? Yeah. Oh, it's like 24 hours. Like I haven't, and I've even had it on this trip. Well, like I was telling you before, I've been super anxious on this trip. I haven't been in the studio for a week. Hmm. It's probably why. <laughs> Actually, I just thought of it. You, you cured me. <laughs> okay, final question, final question. Um, you are in a very exclusive club uh, and that your birthday is also Jesus' birthday. Yep. What's it like? having a birthday on Christmas? Um, it is bad when you're a kid and good when you're an adult. So you don't get double presents. That's a lie. Everyone's pumped on Christmas and then goes, oh, yeah, Jasper's birthday. Oh, happy birthday. So full. Not going to eat this cake. And now, oh, here's another present. It's not very good. And that, so it's not, it's, not, it's not very good when you're a kid. But... It's great. Well, your parents are cool because they're like, we're on a double team here and get you one cool thing. So, so you learn. I've never really cared about my 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 birthday at all as as a result of that. And on the flip side, when you're older, you realise, nah, everybody's happy. Everybody's got the day off. Most people are drunk, and it's a celebration. And you've got to be so happy and blessed to have your your birthday on a day like that. It could be a rainy Tuesday in August where everyone's at work. You know what I mean? So at least. And most people remember it, you know, and and it seems actually very normal in my family and standard family. We, we're a very weird family that cover all the holidays. I mean, my brother's Australia Day, which is a day of celebration. It's a public holiday in Australia. Um, we've got um, Good Friday at the time. That's um, a birthday. Yeah. yeah. We've got New Year's Day, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, all the it's 13 cousins and boom, we hit them all. Wow. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty weird. But, yeah, I've hit Christmas and that that's good. And that means my birthday is in 19 days or something. Something so, like about that. 17 days. Mate, I'm really – and, you know, you mentioned that Instagram's changing everything. Yeah. I sent you a photo of a man carrying a dulcimer because I knew you were coming through town. And I said, yeah. would you like to come and do this podcast? That was less than 24 hours ago. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. An absolute pleasure. Mate, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm going to take your photograph. Please. Awesome. Please, I look like an 18-year-old, I promise. <laughs> and that was Jasper Knight. You can find him on Instagram at J-A-S-P-E-R underscore K-N-I-G-H-T. Follow along. He's a fascinating, fascinating man. Hey, thanks so much for being here. I'll see you next week. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the mailing list at osherginsberg.com. A big question, a favor I could ask of you this week is uh, if you like the show, just show someone you know how to listen to it on their phone. And if you really like the show, please put a comment and rating on the iTunes store. That really makes a huge difference to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for letting me make this show for you. Thanks for being a part of it. I am very, very grateful each and every week that I get to do this. So take care. Be kind, sleep well, dream of beautiful things, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.